The following podcast may be explicit. One Joe Young presents Adventures from the Shed, a tabletop RPG podcast. You can find us online at adventuresfromtheshed.com. Kurt and Joe are back as game master and player, continuing this adventure of Cthulhu Confidential 1 to 1 from Pelgrane Press. Dex has had a busy couple days gathering information, and he's far from done. Grab your spot at the table and enjoy the podcast. Hey, this is Kurt. Welcome back to The Shed for Adventures from the Shed. You can find us at adventuresfromtheshed.com. We're in all those places you would want to find us. Facebook. Twitter, and I sat there wondering Facebook, why, the, why the guy hadn't mentioned iTunes yet. iTunes. Listen, <laughs> I'm in the middle of this intense noir adventure here with the one Joe Young. Just one-on-one playing the gumshoe system in Cthulhu Confidential. And if you're enjoying it. I would really like you to go to iTunes and give us a good review. <laughs> well, done. that will help people find us. We don't need it for our ego, although it's nice. But we want people to listen. If they like role playing games, Adventures from the Shed is for them. Heck yeah. And I am Joe and I am playing the the character part, the player character part of our game, which uh, again is the Pilgrim Press Trail of Cthulhu Confidential One to One. Did I get yeah, all that in there? That's right. And for people at home who uh, may have forgotten, uh, we are playing this on pre-release. Uh, I pre-ordered the game. I think it's $49 plus tax from the Pelgrain Press website. Guys, they do awesome games. We have played Trail of Cthulhu here on Adventure from the Shed. It was our 2016 Halloween episode. Check it out if you haven't. Correct. I own the hardback of Knight's Black Agents and a couple of the other related books. That's an awesome game for kind of detective, spy, vampire stuff. Uh, they just do great work. So if you have not played anything from Pelgrain Press, check them out. This is the new game that's going to be releasing, we hope, in the next month or two. If you pre-order, they give you the PDF immediately. They tell you it's not final, it's beta, but man, it's good, and that's what we're playing. We are playing off of the PDF, and we can't wait to get the hardcover in. Really enjoyed the hardcover for Trail of Cthulhu. Um, Kurt and I worked a lot on that adventure for our Halloween episode, so definitely check that out. This one's going great. And um, let's uh, just jump right back in and give you a recap of the last session. Uh, If memory serves, we started off uh, leaving uh, the uh, Deacon Manor. I went out and checked on that tail. Turns out it was some kraut named Franz. Franz Spielmann. Franz Spielberg. <laughs> yeah, he's uh, not too savory a character, but couldn't get much from him. We then went on to uh, talk to... Now i got to remember. I'm, gonna, I'm flipping through my notebook Well, you went here. back to bed. Yeah, I went, went back to uh, take a rest, wake up in the morning, um, then went off to see Ginny to bring her that uh, camisole and the... Um, information for blood work for the family see what she could find for me and then i went off to uh mr friends's house there the guest house uh where he stayed with i can't remember greta's last name but greta uh greta odemar greta odemar he's staying in the guest house there and uh she actually helped me uh root around the place get some information turns out that she doesn't like Franz too much and uh she wants him off yeah not i was sure going like to take that step yeah, yeah. Not sure I'm ready to take that step yet, but um, Mickey might do that sometime. Was it Mickey? Yeah, Mickey Cohen. Cohen. I can't remember the last name. Mickey. Mickey. I could see Mickey smiling as he broke Franz's legs. But um, after that, I went to uh, visit Madame Eva, see if she could give me some more information about um, this. uh, uh, Everything is on a separate page here because it's a small notebook. About this uh, Argent Light lady, Clara Nebel. So, after finding the key to the safe deposit box in the desk drawer of the guest house, I decide I'm going to go down there next. And uh, maybe on the way, I'll uh, or on the way out of the bank, I'll pass by the police precinct and uh, see if uh, Len Pollard can give me an address for this Nebel lady. All right, that all sounds like a plan. And you know, since you mentioned Mickey again, uh, I guess I'll just throw out there. You know, you are a streetwise detective who has his ear to the ground Heck and his, yeah. uh, his uh, soles on the pavement. So you, you totally know who Mickey Cohen is, and you know what the scene is with the underworld in L.A., mm. and I don't want to... Uh, Mickey's a relatively new gangster. He's well, got no like for the, the, uh, the, the Germans there, well, the what's uh, important, Nazis. Yeah, but what's important is Mickey's from the East Coast. He's yeah. not an L.A. guy. So um, you know about the whole scene here in L.A. and how it's kind of run by the syndicate and... Uh, and some of the gangsters here who you know, but there's been a move in 
and this is kind of an undercurrent that you may or may not play out depending on how the adventure goes, but um, there are some forces from the East who are basically trying to move into L.A. to challenge the the, the forces that ah. you know, generally run the L.A. underground. And okay. they're headed by Ben Siegel, uh, mm-hmm. who you know as Bugsy, uh, Bugsy Siegel. And Mickey okay. Cohen is a young gun who works for Bugsy, yeah. or for Ben. And when you say the East, you mean like South Carolina, right? Oh, he's from like Alabama, <laughs> you know, like, uh, he's, you know. Um, so, yeah, he came straight from the upstate. Right. So that's a little bit behind the scenes of something that you would know that's going on. That, right. You know, it's not directly necessarily important, but the fact that, you know, Mickey is here uh, mm-hmm. and he's, he's not a right-hand man, but he, he's an underling of Ben Siegel, and that's okay. something you would know. Um, but you had said you wanted to start by going off and yeah. checking out the safe deposit box. I'm going to uh, flip that key over a couple times in my hand, let the uh, midday light glint off of it. Right, and so uh, <clears throat> for for people at home, you know, Dex, one of his skills on his character sheet is accounting. Yeah. So it's, you know, in game terms, it's his accounting knowledge that has told him, and I mentioned this last episode, but that this is a key that opens the safe deposit box at Security First National Bank, which is located down in L.A.'s Spring Street Financial District. So, you know, some time has passed. Uh, Dex has taken care of other things that were more pressing, and now he's got a little break because he knows the Alegria doesn't open until at least dinner time, and yep. it won't even be hopping until later. So he wants to go and check this out. So. Uh, he's actually got time, so I, I think he might take a little bit of a stroll. I mean, it's probably yeah. two miles yeah. from where he is, but that's only half an hour, 40 minutes for him. Uh, unless you tell yeah. me otherwise, no, he doesn't it, want to waste Johnny here. Yeah, he'll, he'll definitely, everywhere he can reach downtown, he'll walk. Because uh, he has to keep his, uh, as you put it, he keeps his souls on the street. But uh, that also means that he doesn't get, he is not in the underground, but in order to keep in contact and know who's who and which strings to pull at the right times and which notes to play on the symphony that is the underworld, uh, he needs to be on the street. So he'll definitely spend time on the street. Well, and that's exactly right. So as you do this walk, you're making, Dex is making a point of yeah. when he passes. You know, a pharmacy, Wilbur's Pharmacy, which is where he always meets his friend Ted, because Ted, for some reason, likes to meet it there. You know, he yeah. makes sure he waves at the owner, and and when he passes the barber shop, you know, where he gets his haircut, he says, mm-hmm. "Hey," pops in. So he's doing his PI thing, keeping yeah. his connections as he strolls. Exactly. But long story short, he gets down to uh, Security First National Bank, and he's already got the key, so this is no big deal. He just, uh, yeah. you know, goes up and I presume asks the teller to let him access the box. Yeah, that's it. So, uh, really nothing to it. He uh, requests the box number that is on the key, which is 4199. Uh, He waits two or three minutes. The cute young teller brings him the box. He kind of pushes it aside, you know, moves it aside from her so that she won't see what's in the box Mm -hmm. and just buys himself just a little bit of privacy on the shelf, puts the key in and turns it to open the box. And uh, how does uh, Dex feel as he prepares to open the safe deposit box? I'm a little nervous about what I'd find inside. If this guy, Franz, carries a knife regularly, who knows what he's got in here. But it's also likely that he's got Greta's uh, pictures in here that uh, he's using a blackmailer so that uh, he can rent that house. Right. So when you do actually open the box, uh, as perhaps expected, you find a number of explicit photographic negatives and photographs. Um, The first set that that Dex pulls from the box he looks at and he sees... Uh, Greta with her must-be former girlfriend back in Berlin, and they are in state of undress doing things that Dex perhaps knows that women sometimes do, but that would not be considered (laughs) normal and socially acceptable for the time. And all of a sudden he realizes perhaps why Franz is able to Mm -hmm. stay in the guest house on such favorable terms. So I turned my head over my shoulder and told the teller, I'm going to need five minutes in a tissue. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So, uh, so he's got these pictures of Greta and her girlfriend in sapphic embrace, uh, and he looks at them uh, perhaps a bit longer than he should. <laughs> and then he uh, yeah. puts them face down aside, and he goes yeah. on down to what's yep. below them. And and next he finds uh, kind of similarly voyeuristic images of Helen and Marshall Daly. Okay. Uh, they're um, Marshall, as as we previously noted, is a very good-looking man, and mm-hmm. in these photos, he's not only a very good-looking man, but a very large and impressive man, and <laughs> Helen right. is not looking very ladylike in these photos with him, uh, although she does seem to be having a very good time. Okay. Uh, the, um, 
porno soundtrack in the background, right? So uh, Dex turns those over and puts okay. them on top of the so images. So, so far, it's just been pictures right. in the safe deposit box. Right. So uh, the next set, uh, and by the way, so there are negatives, but there are also prints of these. And so okay. you're looking at the prints. And the, the next images are actually of Helen leaving what looks like a hotel. Uh, you, know, you, you would know it is kind of a okay. middle, middle class hotel uh, with a person that you don't recognize, but he's like a mousy looking little man. Uh, and just doesn't look to you like the kind of man you would expect Helen to be with. Okay. Um, and then there are some other sets of three or four other kind of what you would consider lower rung Hollywood types, like B, okay. B movie actresses and act and actors, uh, but no one that's of particular interest to you. Okay. Um, Joe is finding this curious. I don't know if it's, uh, something specific to the story. But I wonder who's taking a picture of this broad as she's walking out of a hotel. This is the kind of picture a private eye would take. Right. I mean, they're in uh, Spielman's box, and he's told you that he's a freelance reporter, and he goes tailing people. So yeah. you imagine it's so that could know, probably him sense. taking the right. photos, but you're not sure. It had slipped my mind for a moment that he was a writer. Um, yeah. So... You know, right. And you also know from the letters that he's working with the German propaganda ministry and trying to get dirt on mm-hmm. people that they find impressive. Now, they're looking for Charlie Chaplin, and he's getting Greta Odemar, which yeah. is maybe why they're unhappy with him. That could be. She's a small fry. Right. But and coming out of it, you like now that. got the photos that Greta is concerned yep. about. And, yep. you, and the negatives. And the negatives. Yeah. You which is damn important in the 30s photos of helen with marshall which to yeah. be honest is not no news to you but then you've also got helen leaving a motel with some yeah. random looking kind of mousy little dude so i only want to leave the pictures of the b-movie actors um but i want to take the rest okay it's my safe deposit box as far as the teller knows so it's up to uh, me what i take and leave all right and based on our prior conversation from last episode uh, you suspect that Greta, if you wanted to shake her down, would probably pay you something for those photos. Yeah. Uh, or you could give them to her, or, or you yeah. could hold them for yourself. It's totally up to you. Yeah. Um, and that's what, I, that's all there is in that box. As I place the photos of the German woman in my uh, my trench coat, I realize that uh, I could get some money from her, but I'd also be willing to give them to her for free if she didn't want to offer any money. All right. That's totally up to you. Um and depends on how you feel about your money situation at, at the moment at that, that you decide time. to deal with it. Exactly. So, uh, It'll start with what's it worth to you. Right. From game terms, should yeah. you take the money from her, you can probably counter your broke problem with that alone. Mm. But you're also presumably countering that if you solve the case with Margaret. So you should play that the way Dex would play it. That's his number one priority. Find the, problem, or find the solution to the problem he was presented with. Right. So now you're done at the bank. You've got this cute little teller who... Uh, Takes yep. the box back from you, and where do you go from here? From here, I'm going to stop by the precinct. Uh, beat feet over a couple of blocks. Uh, go into the precinct and find Sergeant Len Pollard. Um, Len's going to give me the address for where I can find uh, this Nebel lady. Yeah, yeah. So uh, Len, Sergeant Pollard, he's the guy that you go to when you don't want to want to bother Ted. Ted's yep. much higher up the food chain. You save him for special favors and for bigger, bigger fish. Uh, and, you know, you feel a little dirty dealing with Len. There's something about yeah. him you don't like. But he's helpful. And uh, he has no problem uh, telling you uh, very quickly that uh, Clara Neville can be found at 9 uh, Loma Linda Avenue in Hollywood. Okay. That's a chapel over there. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, yeah. kind of a bungalow over there. That's where she works from. All right, well, it's time to go out and flag down Johnny. <laughs> We're going to take the cab over to the chapel because that's a bit of a walk. All right, it is a bit of a walk, so uh, Johnny is always happy. We're, uh, to... we're probably mid-afternoon or so now, and still nice out. And in the back of his mind, Dex is saying, boy, wouldn't it be great if I just had a telephone that fit in my pocket <laughs> and I could call Johnny whenever I needed yeah, it. Yeah. <laughs> But <laughs> Dex twists his wrist and looks at his Apple Watch and calls an Uber <laughs> over to find his uh, ride at the chapel. One way or another, his yeah. trusted and faithful servant, yeah. Johnny, shows up with a cab. Johnny. I, now, the way you were describing it earlier, Kurt, I can imagine that during his walk, 
And while he was making all his friends, Johnny probably passed once or twice, and he just waved him on and uh, probably told him, you know, I'll, I'll need your help in an hour or two or something like that. So, yeah, Sounds we good. do that. Yeah, and your time at the bank did not take very long, so it's still, uh, you know, mm-hmm. early afternoon, maybe two-ish, something like that. Yeah. Uh, you know, you want to go to the casino in the back of your mind, but it ain't even worth thinking about going there till 6 or 7 at the earliest. Uh, so you got plenty of time. And you want to go uh, find out what you can learn about the Order of the Argent Light. Yep. Time to go see this Clara Nebel character. All right. So, um, Johnny picks you up. Mr. Raymond, where are we going today? We're going to, to 9 Lomelina Ave. There's a chapel over there, and there's a lady in there that's got some information for me. Baby. Yeah, well, I'm happy to take you there. You want me to wait, or you want me to just drop you? I think, uh, I think you could drop me on this one. I might need a few minutes. All righty. He uh, has Dex get in the back, eases onto the uh, pedal nice and slow, and pulls away. And it's not too long before they pull up at. Uh, now, um, I have been both tailed and been the tailor. He's a tailor um, during this adventure so far. Yep. So during the ride, I couldn't help shake the feeling that someone might be behind us, so I kept looking out the, the uh, rear window. Awesome. So you look out. Uh, roll a quick. Uh, a quick test on Filch. <laughs> what? <laughs> Filch. I'm going to try and steal a look out of the back window. Get yeah, it? just steal. roll. Just roll me a, a d6. And a d6 with a two I was, on I was, it. I was just going to say, don't uh, roll a two. But for a one, <laughs> All right. uh, so yeah. So you don't see anyone following you here. Right. Nothing unusual. Yeah. Uh, and then after a few minutes, Johnny pulls up in front of a, a chapel that's kind of a pueblo-style bungalow. Um, yeah. On there on Loma Linda, uh, nothing on un- you know nothing particularly ominous or unusual about the place, and you pop out of the cab, thank him for his time, throw him a coin, and uh, unless you tell me otherwise, you pop on up to the front door. Yeah, we're just gonna go right up there. I've got no reason to be secretive with this lady. I don't even know her yet. Yeah, so you knock at the door. Yep. Um, and the doors. Do you have uh, any like signs on the outside? It's not like uh, Madame Eva's palm reading. No, here. It, yeah, it doesn't have a really cheesy feel to it. Right. It actually just looks kind of like a. I mean, really, just kind of like a like a pueblo okay. bungalow, really. Um, when she opens the door, though, uh, the woman, presumably Clara Nebel, uh, is very confident, kind of a big personality, not a mm-hmm. big frame, but a big personality. Uh, she's done up in a kind of very middle-aged, glamorous style. So she's got kind of a, an attractive robe on. And um, she actually has a headdress, almost like a turban, but not uh-huh. a cheesy fortune teller turban. Like a, almost like a classy, like right. what a rich woman would expect a spiritual healer to look like. Good point. Okay. So yeah. <clears throat> She's um, playing the part of somebody that has rich clientele. That's exactly right. right. So she feels to you immediately much more serious than like Madame Eva would. But that doesn't mean she is more serious yeah, than Madame okay. Eva is. Uh, pardon me, Clara Neville, I presume. Yes, yes I am, and you are? I am Dex Raymond. I'm uh, here to ask you a few questions about a uh, case I'm working on. About a case? Well, that's most intriguing. Uh, I don't know that I can help you, but why don't you come in? We can perhaps have a cup of tea or a drink. Well, there's plenty of mystery involved and a, a couple of uh, oddities I can't explain yet, so I was hoping you might be able to help out. Well, now, what kind of investigator are you, Mr. Raymond? Well, I'm a, private, uh, I'm a private investigator, a PI. I take all kinds of cases. This one is a little odd. Hmm. And after we sit down to wherever she's bringing us. Well, you know, Mr. Raymond, the world and the universe are very odd. There are many things beyond our belief and beyond our knowledge of which we do not know, but which you could learn if you were so inclined. Yeah, it's something I might, I might. But in the meantime, uh, let's see what information that you might be able to help me with to uh, crack this case I'm working on. Well, I'll, I'll see what I can do, but okay. uh, you know, my my time is quite valuable, so I trust you'll be efficient if you would. Not at all. If somebody if somebody knocks on the door, don't worry, you can go on to one of your regular clients. Okay. What can I do to help you, Mr. Raymond? Um, so he'll describe the beginning of the case where the woman came by, said her sister had the problems, etc. But um, we'll get to the point of the name of the Order of the Argent Light and Clara Nebel's come up a couple of times here. And this poor young girl, she just disappeared, came back, uh, mumbling about things here and there, and the name has come up a few times. And I'm hoping you might 
help me understand why she would be using your name and that Argent Light thing. Have you told her who the girl is? No. No specific names yet, but if she asks, I'll say it. Well, um, I mean, we're not secretive about what Mm -hmm. the order is, and I'm more than happy to tell you about what we believe here at the Order of the Argent Light, but without knowing of whom you speak, I can't tell you why she would be speaking of us. Would this story have been enough news that she would recognize it as I was recounting it? Because, like I said, I have no problem giving her the name. I just didn't know if she would... Um, catch some glimmer of it probably not yeah. i think the family would have kept it relatively okay. quiet so it um yeah my employer is the uh the deacon family ah the deacon so you may so have you heard must be of, speaking uh, of helen. helen yeah ah so you know the girl oh absolutely yeah. uh you know helen joined the argent order about two years ago okay um and at this point dex will take out the black book and start making some notes so she would right. see him doing that right. in case that right. bothers her Right. Well, no, it doesn't bother me. Okay. I'm very open about okay. about our order, and there's nothing secret here. Uh, nothing of which I would be ashamed. Uh, <laughs> She's proud of all of her secrets. <laughs> so, um, well, Helen, she joined mm-hmm. us about two years ago, I would say, and she came in with some other silly girls, but really only Helen stuck around. The rest of them came to a right. few meetings and never came again. Um you know, to be frank, until she found the order, Helen, um, the poor girl, she just couldn't find a place for herself. Um, I think, I don't know that she would agree with me, but I think she was spiritually dislocated from herself because of the death of her mother. Um, I yeah, just, she seemed to kind of drift a bit from what I heard of her family. Yeah, I think with her mother dying and then her father becoming the gambling wastrel that he's become um, has really been a crushing blow to her. And I think that what we offered her here at the order was a way to understand that her father's uh, depredations and the loss of her mother are just part of the larger plan for the universe and the, and the chaos that, um, that we can find and the darkness that we seek to avoid falling into. A uh, larger plan. Oh, this is, you know, this is hard to understand if you've not been, indoctrinated into the order but you know at a basic level it's important to understand you know our core tenets which as i said they may seem odd to someone who's uninitiated but there are secret masters that rule the world and they're connected to the silver light of nodens who's the benign force of the cosmos the violence the confusion of the modern life it arises from the actions of dark races who conspire with ancient deities and they plague, to plunge mankind into an eternal dark age. It's only by empowering the secret masters with resources that we can restore our planet. Uh, pardon me, resources. What resources would you supply a uh, secret master? Well, I mean, time is, of the, is, is incredibly important, but money is also required in order to fund the work of these secret masters in order to prevent the world from being plunged into chaos so that we can fight and the forces of entropy can be banished. That's why we must open everyone's awareness to the ardent light. Now, of course, people who've been open to the light have to support us with generous donations. One cannot do good in the world with only good intentions. I have to agree with that, although intentions are important. They are important, but they Uh, alone, they cannot solve this problem. So what, uh, if you don't mind me asking, what kind of resources were, uh, or was Helen Deacon providing your uh, secret masters? Well, uh, by the way, if it weren't obvious enough, I'm just going to play along with the whole thing. And in, in, in game world, picture that camera over Dex's shoulder, and he's writing batshit crazy <laughs> in the book, right. but playing along with her at the same time. Right, right. Well, Helen, I mean... You know, she was very drawn to the order. As I said, her life was in chaos. Uh, I mean, her father was a wastrel, waste, was gambling away his fortune. Um, and perhaps to compensate for that weakness, her father, Helen, is, she's been drawn to older men with the resolve that her father, Roscoe, used to have. You know, and I mean, that's how she ended up with horrible people like Whitey Alexander. Um, she, but she always had a dark cloud hanging over her. 
And shortly before her disappearance, Helen asked me to read her aura. And I did so, and I detected the spore of an ancient, gnawing evil. Uh, I was on her with something that something she'd walked over. It was like uh, just evil in or around her. I also had a vision of a great lever. Um, it was like once alive, but now it was stilled. It, it, it was not clear what it was, but it was a lever, a still lever. And I offered at that point to conduct a protective rite for Helen uh, as a ritual. And uh, I told her that that would require financial support for the organization and for our masters, and she had said that she wanted to do that and that she wanted to proceed. But uh, at that point, she was unable to donate to the order. So uh, if, if, if I'm understanding what you're saying, perhaps Helen got this spore and tripped a lever, and now she's kind of not aware of what's going on around her. She's, uh, you know, I saw the girl. She's kind of lost, yeah. although she's got... Uh, and uh, I'm thinking in picture of this that Dex has like a, with all the stuff that she just said kind of doesn't phase him. It's just you know a crack of bull. But when he thinks back to the look on Helen's face, even though he's skeptical and cold blooded about it, there was something there, something that was it caused a problem in game terms. When he mentions it, he probably has a little shiver or something that she would notice. But he would say, yeah. And uh, so when I saw the ghost, uh, this. This look in her eye, there was something beyond there. Because he's trying to placate I, I mean, her Mr. as well. You're right. Mr. Raymond, I mean, this, this is serious matter. This is not hocus pocus like you would get down on Hollywood Avenue. She had a clear aura of evil around her. The lever, I do not know what it was. There was a lever. I saw an image of it. It was once moving, but it was now stilled. I got that sense. I truly don't know what that was. But there was something truly wrong with her. And uh, I wanted to protect her, but she did not bring payment. And to be frank, I think it was her tight-fisted, hard-nosed sister who prevented her from doing that. And perhaps, uh, you know, it's unfortunate that that had that she wasn't able to have that ritual done. And perhaps that was somehow indirectly a cause of what has happened. And if that is the case, then I truly regret that. So uh, Dex, at this point, although was listening to all of the secret masters and the plan for the universe and Nodens and all this stuff was just, it kind of flew past him. He didn't really give a darn. When he starts talking about how the girl, how Helen fell into trouble because she couldn't pay, mm-hmm. he's looking to see now, like watching um, Clara Nebel's mannerisms. And, and Did she have something to do with it? It's like the, uh, you know, shame. It, it, you got nice legs there. Shame if something were to happen to him, right? You got to pay me and nothing will happen. Right. He's getting this feeling that she's shaking people down, and when they don't pay, does she make something bad happen to them? Right, right. So uh, he's trying to read yeah, her. So you don't get that sense at all. You okay. get a sense of not deep regret, but perhaps of regret that something bad has happened to her, yeah. but not that she was the cause of it. Okay. Um, so can you tell me the kind of thing that you would have done to protect her if she had ponied up the bills? Oh, well, I mean, I have a protective ritual that would have cleansed her aura and offered the protection of Nodens uh, from these evil deities or these other forces that might be... So uh, ritual, like something you say some Latin words over a cracker and it turns into the body of a first century Jew or something? Are you mocking me, Mr. Raymond? I'm kind of curious what kind of ritual you're talking about. We have rituals that come to us from the masters, Uh texts that have been written by them, uh, including, you know, I can tell from your conversation that you're interested. Surely you know of some of them. Uh, one of them lives at least part of the year right here in L.A. Um, you know, I know personally the uh, well-known author William Dudley Pelly. He is one of our masters. Uh, he wrote about his near-death experience that he had in 1928. Um, you may have known this is a well-regarded book. Uh, he talks about how he entered the presence of God and Christ and they bestowed mystical powers on him and urgently laid out a plan for him to combat the dark forces. But it wasn't God and Christ that Mr. Pelly met. It was Nodens. He just couldn't talk about Nodens because the world would think that he was crazy. So he had to couch this in Christian terms. But Mr. Pelly met Nodens and spoke with him and he has transmitted knowledge of that 
that benign force to us, and we use that to help combat the evil forces of Yig and Shubnagarth and these evil deities who seek to plunge the world into chaos. So uh, who do you think got their hooks into Helen? Well, or perhaps that, what? I mean, I certainly have no idea who got their hooks into them, but as I said, you know, she spent time with older men and Whitey Alexander is the worst of them. And, and Dex knows because of the, the world he lives in that Whitey Alexander is a, a key gangster in the L.A. underworld. Um, and runs the Alegria Casino, the uh, the rug joint, the illegal casino that he intends to run later tonight, and is a prominent figure in the underworld. Um, I remember I was going to be visiting the Alegria later. I'm going to have to pay Whitey a visit. Right, but uh, but she uh, doesn't imply that Whitey did this. Just that Ooh. that was a bad connection for her. Uh, and uh, she really doesn't know anything more about what happened. But at this point, um, because Dex has seemed at least somewhat uh, agreeable. Well, he's, tra- he's trying to play he's along to play and her. he's using the words that she uses to, so, to show that he's paying attention and right. interested. So at this point. Although he isn't and she's batshit crazy. <laughs> right. Yeah. So at this point, Clara really, she, she begs. She says, yeah. uh, Tim, she says. Mr. Raymond, you must let me see Helen. You must get me in to see her. She has suffered a mystical injury. She cannot be healed by the doctrines of blind science. I can heal her, but her sister will not let me see her. Well, I tell you, Miss um, Neville, Ms. Neville, uh, we're not going to be able to get in to see her anytime soon, but if I can figure out what caused this to happen to her, then it's likely that we'll be able to see her again. So once I can figure out who started all this, then I'm sure we can get in to see her. But she's, she's still, she's catatonic. She's, her life is ruined. I, I can heal her. If you let me see her, I can heal her. They, they've currently got her protected in, in the, the Deacon Manor. I'm, I'm sure she's okay for now. But if there's something I can do to, to get you in there, and inside his head he's doing the circle around the ear thing that she's cuckoo, um, if there's something I can, I can do to help you get in there to see her, I assure you I will. Well, I would ask you to remember this because the family, they do not trust me. They do not like me. I know that Margaret, she is a very practical, very stubborn woman from the little bit that I've seen, but um, there is no one else here that can heal her. She will remain her life as a vegetable. Um, so. I'm sure you understand, uh, regardless of the truth of the matter, if you talk about secret masters and plans for the universe, people aren't going to want you to visit their sick sister. Well, the order of the Argent Light exists to help people see the truth. And while they might prefer to hear strange tales of their God who dies on the cross and lives in three persons and is raised from the dead, the truth is that Nodens is all that protects us from the violence and the vast blackness that seeks to devour us if you think there isn't a lot of violence out here you haven't been downtown lately so uh and that's a joking thing to her not to right not to piss her off right so um you know i think at that point you know clara would certainly offer to pour him another cup of tea uh to tell him anything more he wants to know about the order Mm-hmm. But he has found out most of what he will find. I would say for the story's sake, he would hang around for another cup of tea, whether it bears him any more information or not. But it's really out of curiosity, Dex, because he thinks she's full of crap, he wants to see if she can keep up the facade for another cup of tea. Right, right. And that's really what, it's look, what, what I'm looking for out of it, that she doesn't just break down at some point like Madam Eva does regularly and say, you know, it's all bullshit. Right, right. So she would say, you know, oh, I'm happy to, let me just put on another pot. In the meantime, why don't you just look around our bookshop and uh, I'll be, Mm -hmm. give me five minutes and I'll be back. Right. And inside his head, Dex was saying, I was planning to take a look around the joint if another customer showed up. So this was a perfect opportunity as she went out to get that kettle whistling again. So uh, while you're strolling around, you you know, there's a, a very small kind of bookshop and literally they sell like bookmarks and paperweights but there's also a bookshelf and you notice as you're looking uh without any real effort that most of the books that are prominently displayed are written by william dudley pelly 
And Ooh, in fact, you pick okay. a few of them off the shelves and you kind of open them and you notice that they're even signed uh, with his name. Some of them are just signed with his name and some of them say, uh, inscribed a particular, you know, to Clara, okay. uh, sincerely, uh, W.D. Pelly. <clears throat> she comes back, she brings some tea, you guys sit, you chat, and mm-hmm. after, you know, five or ten minutes, she's, you know, is there anything else that I can help you with, Mr. Raymond? Uh, no, no, Miss, uh, I, I think that'll be all for today, thank you. Well, if I can be of further service, I would be happy to speak with you. Anything I could do to help Helen, I would sincerely like to do, and if you could get me to see her, I really do think everyone would benefit from it. I, I appreciate the sentiment, and uh, although Margaret might not be uh, as open, uh, I'm sure if there's anything I can do to help you, I will. Excellent. Well, I will uh, uh, play Margaret as the bad cop. Right, right. Um, so, all right. Uh, um, I was just thinking about this. There probably isn't a way for me to call Johnny. Would they have radios and cabs back then? I don't think so. But Johnny knows you. Yeah, he, I mean, he'll show back up right. sooner or later. And right. so I'll just point out that, yeah. I mean, the key there, not to metagame too much, but is what, you know, what is Helen's connection to Whitey Alexander? Right. And, and also is that sidebar piece where I'd already heard about Pelly. Now to hear that Pelly met Nodens, and he's essentially the this uh, Clara Nebel's savior uh, right. of some type or another and he's autographing books to her that's kind of cool for her. Right. for her but what does that actually mean when he's got this inside connection to the fascist regime as well exactly and uh that's right so you've got pelly and then you've got yeah. alec you've got some connection to alexander who runs the casino and helen had chips from the casino in her clutch but yep. had a viscerally negative reaction to them so mm-hmm. uh, or you know so she, that's where we stand. Like what would you like to do next? All right. Um, I think the next step here, as Johnny pulled up and I got in the cab, I let him know to head back downtown so I could talk to Ginny about the evidence she may have found. Uh, it's right near the end of the day. Still a little bit early for, uh, for casino doings now. Okay. Casino doings. Right. So nice. at this point, you know, you've been walking, you've been strolling, you've been yeah. talking with uh, Ms. Clara Nebel. Uh, it is late afternoon. Mm-hmm. And you go back to see Ginny and says, Ginny, I hope it's not too early to see what you found out. I want to, um, uh, as is the habit, yeah, well, I bring Ginny something. In this case, I'll bring her, I I always, I keep thinking of like New York, Chicago, bring her a couple of cannolis or something because it's getting near dinner time. She always works late. She's probably going to be hungry. Ginny, I brought you a little something to snack on. What did you, you find for me? Awesome. And she appreciates that. She's a workaholic. She's almost yeah. always at the office, so she's glad to have that. And she says, well, actually, uh, the, blood, the blood work was easy. Uh, it's not hers. I don't know whose it is, but it's very clearly not her blood type. Does it match any of the information I brought you? It doesn't. It's just, I, I, I don't know where it's from, but it's not hmm. Helen's blood. All right. Which you already suspected, I suspect. Yeah. Now the photos, uh, the photos are a little more interesting. Um, I in his head, Max says, "I'm tempted to show her the look of the photos I picked up from the safe deposit box, but this isn't the kind of thing Ginny would appreciate. I'm hoping she didn't put that kind of photo together from the ashes." <laughs> well, so she says, "Here's what I found, and they're not perfect, uh, but you can clearly see." Um, Helen and some older man ducking into a room together at this, this kind of fancy-looking establishment. And, Does and, he? Uh, uh, is the older man kind of a squirrely dude? Is he the same guy from the picture at the hotel? He is not. In fact, different guy. He's a different guy. And you know, as you look at the picture with Jenny, you know you're kind of looking at it together. Yeah. It is definitely not the mousy short man that you saw earlier. This is Whitey Alexander. Ah, so when we get the uh, magnifying glass over that spot, his his face comes into view very clearly. Right. So you see Helen and Whitey ducking into a fancy establishment, and you know that the fa- fancy establishment is his rug joint allegoria. Okay. Hmm. And is that uh, is that all you were able to get out of that uh, mesh of ashes? That's the photo. That's what it is. All right. Doesn't mean anything to me. I hope it means something to you. Are you able to figure out when a picture like this was taken? Uh, I don't know if this kind of thing is. Uh, 
I can't. You're the whiz, Jenny. I, I bring you food. You give me information. <laughs> well, and I appreciate that, but, uh, but I can't tell. I can't tell from that. All right. Uh, pretty girl, though. Yeah, it's a shame she's lost her marbles. Really? Yeah. I'd take a minute to describe to her what happened um, after Helen oh. was recovered. And, oh, it's the same uh, girl. I didn't realize this. Yeah. So this is the girl whose camisole we're looking at. Yeah. Now I'm going to have to go get a blood sample from Whitey. Don't envy me the task. (laughs) So you know uh, that Whitey runs the casino Mm -hmm. and other establishments for the higher up, basically the boss of the L.A. kind of crime syndicate, uh, Guy McAfee. I don't have that name written down yet, although I know Dex knows it. You don't, but you know he's the top. He's basically, in 1937, he's the top of the gangland pyramid in L.A. He actually, for what it's worth, it's not necessarily important, but he used to be a vice cop. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's kind of gone bad, and he basically he runs illegal operations here, and Whitey works under him. So presumably okay. he is running the casino and probably other operations and kicking that money up to Guy. So um, he's running the uh, mob in the area, running the underworld. Um, and his name is McAfee. Those who uh, anybody anybody else who's in IT or understands the irony of McAfee actually infesting something rather than cleaning it, it's right. an antivirus right. software. Yeah. You also know that McAfee is not someone that you would just be like, "I'm going to go see Guy McAfee." Now. Yeah, like, he's not on your radar. You got to make an appointment with a guy who knows a guy who can get you to pass a note to Guy. Exactly, exactly. So this, yeah. what I've been calling the syndicate, or some people call the system. Um, yes, actually, you know, they, they make a point of that in there, that, uh, that Dex did not want to be part of the system. Right, right. So um, basically, Guy runs that. He's got a few people under him. And you know at a high level, although you don't know the details of what's happening, that as I mentioned earlier, there's a challenge coming from the East Coast. Mm-hmm. Ben Siegel and his people are basically trying to move into L.A., um, this was tried like 10 years ago with the Capones and yeah. ultimately failed. Uh, but Bugsy, Ben Siegel, is uh, perhaps more determined. And he's come in with kind of his number one goon, Mickey Cohen, and their people. And he's, we don't know how, but he's trying to make some play on what's happening in L.A. So this is all stuff that you would know yeah. that doesn't require any research or any investigation. This is just the background of the world. So chances so, are Guy has uh, Guy McAfee has no love for Mickey Cohen. Correct. Yeah. And the reason I'm telling you this now as an aside is because you've now heard about Whitey a few times. Yeah. And so this is just stuff that you would know instinctively. Yep. All right. Um, well, after finishing up at the lab, um, I, don't, I didn't have anything new for Jenny. Um... No, I think we're done there. Uh, thank her. Make sure she's had her snack. And um, mm-hmm. don't work too late, Jenny, although I know you will. Right. So uh, at this point, you've learned a little bit about Helen having some type of relationship with Whitey Alexander, or mm-hmm. at least it appears something. You've learned yeah. something about her from Clara about her father being a gambling mm-hmm addict or destitute, you know, being destitute from gambling. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's totally up to you how you want to proceed. You could talk to Margaret, you could head to the Alegria, or think, you could follow um, another clue. I think I want to make a quick stop at the Deacon Manor to ask Margaret if I was missing any blood information, medical information for any of the immediate family mm-hmm. um, because I'm having conflicting reports from the lab. That's the way I want to word it to her. Okay. Um, so, I mean, unless you want to draw the scene yeah, out, that's really no, what I'm yeah, going so, to her for. Uh, you knock at the door. The butler lets you yeah. in. Eventually, Mark comes down after. Yeah, it was Mr. Butterworth, bit. I think. <laughs> that sounds good. Or wheat thin or something. Yeah, Wheatcroft, right? <laughs> yeah, it was wheat thin. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, she looks stunning as always. Uh, I think she was wearing green the first time you met her, but today she has a nice burgundy. Yeah, I couldn't lie. I was just making up reasons to come visit. <laughs> um, she says, yeah. I mean, I'm not hiding anything with respect to the blood. It's, it is what it is. No, I'm not looking to see if you were hiding anything, uh, uh, Ms. Deacon. I was just trying to make sure I had all the information I could have because there's a little discrepancy at the lab of whether this matches anything you've given me or not. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, right. Helen's records and her blood type and 
All right. Nothing more to tell there. Have you had anything new on uh, on your side? I've got a lot of leads I'm following. Just so you know, I'm definitely on the case. Well, uh, what have you found that would be interesting? Uh, there's you know, some of the connections that you had told me about. I'm learning a little bit more like that uh, Argent Light um, kind of, he rolls his eyes in front of her to show her show her his disdain for the that order as well. But the Argent Light, you know, that kind of goofy thing going on there. Uh, I don't but, but there's a couple I of connections with the casino, which you're familiar with. She had the uh, the casino chips. So, well, I, what have you learned about that? That's where I'm headed next. I wanted to stop by here before I head to the uh, Alegria. Well, do you know anyone there? Uh, everyone knows somebody there, but uh, I'm going to go uh, ask around a few names and uh, see if uh, maybe I can get some information from, you know, like uh, Johnny Two Fingers or maybe Whitey Alexander or maybe uh, Billy the Bomb. Well, I'll make sure I throw out more than one name. So, so uh, well, Mr. Mr. Raymond, if you are heading to the Alegria, perhaps I should tell you a little bit more about sister and my father's situation are um, they in debt no. am i going to run into problems when i mention the deacon name well this is uh it's a bit embarrassing and a bit untoward and not something i like to talk about but you know my father was a very strict lutheran uh he worked very very hard his whole life um family firm in his younger years he really didn't have a lot of fun and and when mother died he really changed he just decided he'd worked hard enough, as I told you, and he announced that he would hand the firm over to us. It was very unexpected. Um, what I perhaps did not tell you is that as soon as he handed the firm over, he spent almost all of his time at gambling joints. Um, he really was enjoying the adolescence and the teenage years that perhaps he had missed uh, because of his upbringing. Um, he got very in debt to the casino owner, Whitey Alexander. Uh, such that I feared his life was in danger. Um, these are not the type of men to whom you want to owe significant sums. And this was maybe six, six or seven months ago. I went and I paid off his debts. But I warned him that I would not be responsible for them any further or for any further trouble that he got himself into. And that the company had a fiduciary responsibility to live up to its shareholders and to earn money for them, not for his gambling debts. Uh, we could not become a bottomless piggy bank for his moral failures. You know, he told me at the time that he learned his lesson and that he's only been gambling amounts that he can afford to lose. But, um, well, that's what he told me. Seems like he's got a little problem. Is he still frequenting the uh, Alegria? Well, I, I don't know for certain. It's certainly not a place that I frequent, but... Um, I'd be lying if I said I believed him that he has it under control. Mm. Uh, have you heard from anyone about any new debt? I, I, I no, not directly. All right. But I now, know my sister was somehow involved with things there, and I don't know how, and I don't know why, but I, I think it was probably related to something with my father. All right. I just want to make sure you understand, Ms. Deacon, that in order for me to help you, you've got to give me all the information you have. It would have been useful, perhaps, if you had given me this before. Is there anything else now that could help out? No, I, you know, it's... No, I, you know... I just, I fear my father may be in over his head, but I have no basis for that knowledge, other than a daughter's concern. Anyone who spends time at the Alegria is in over their head. So that's all I know for certain. And I fear that somehow my sister perhaps tried to help him, and perhaps that is somehow related to the trouble she's found. But again, I know nothing more than that. It's just a suspicion. All right. Is she being honest? That uh, yeah, you. That, that's no, no reason yeah. to think she's not telling. Okay. Um, I, I guess at that point i will thank her for her time and move on to the casino okay so at this point sun's going down yes evening is uh upon us definitely want to arrive after the early bird special finishes because yeah i think that's a good call so 
So Dex kills some time, maybe he goes yeah. to a coffee shop yeah. or uh, has a beer at the local bar. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. There's uh, there's got to be a O'Malley's. Um, that place run by O'Malley. He's uh, he's a good friend, and make sure he gets a a good stout in before he heads over to the casino. Okay. Yeah. So. Just for you, by way of background, Dex would know before he heads out there a couple of things. You know, he knows, as we've already talked about, that Whitey Alexander runs the joint. He answers to the system or the syndicate, which is the old line kind of Anglo mob that runs runs the joint. Um, Guy McAfee's the boss. LAPD has been paid to look the other way, so it operates almost freely. And Whitey has a reputation as a mobster that you can depend on to treat you right. So, um, you know, you need to be lining his pockets, not standing between him and his profit margin. But as far as these guys go, he's a stand-up mobster. Um, Now, Whitey wouldn't have any anything to do with Mickey Cohen. He's old school, and Mickey's the new. Correct. Uh, Yeah, they're totally opposite sides of the street. Then I can't get him to break some uh, German's legs. All right. Now, you have an opportunity here if you want to spend a streetwise push to have a pre-established, respectful relationship with Whitey. Definitely don't have to, but it's an option. I am thinking, no. Dex dislikes the system too much to be too friendly with any of them. Okay. Um, All right. Well, you get Johnny, got a bit of bit of a drive over to yeah. the casino, which is located not very far from like Warner's Universal Disney Studios in Burbank. Um, and when you get, you pull up, it's like a sprawling ranch-style house. Um, yeah. And, <clears throat> excuse me. <clears throat> oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, it opens only after supper. You're actually getting there, let's say, what, 9 o'clock? Probably, yeah. Somewhere around there. Um, it is a swank joint. Yeah. This is a classy establishment. You park the car with a valet, uh, or actually, I take that back. You're with a cab, so yeah. you're not going to have a valet. You're going to get dropped off, but you see cars being parked with the valet. Mm-hmm. You come up in front. Uh, you walk in. Literally, as you walk in, you pass Chico Marx, who's one of the Marx brothers. Nice. And he's uh, kind of, jo- you know, uh, in a friendly tone, grousing about the, uh, the losses that he's had as he's flirting with the hat check girl. So on the way in, nice. you've got you know, a place you can leave your hat and your coat. Oh, yeah, I would definitely and, uh, leave the hat there so I would catch that conversation. Yeah. Right, so literally uh, Chico's there. He's trying to charm her, so he's using his, uh, his trademark character's you know, Italian yeah. accent. Yeah. And uh, there is a kind of a sultry... It's-a me, Chico. It's-a <laughs> me, Mario. Yeah. So, uh, you know, uh, off as you walk into the main room in the corner, there's a small stage with kind of a chantreuse in a slinky silk evening gown. She's singing Cole Porter's in the still of the night. And uh, the room is, is exciting and bubbling. And uh, you actually see Bing Crosby nodding uh, appreciatively as he throws dice at the craps table. And so you've got Bing Crosby in his suit. And then mm-hmm. there's multiple craps tables with dice rolling down, smacking off the back walls. And people cheering as sevens and elevens are hit um there's two or three roulette wheels that are spinning and you hear the uh, you hear the the ball bouncing around bling, 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 mm-hmm. bling, 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 and then generally a, dis- a sigh of disappointment uh but occasionally a cheer uh when the when the roulette wheel stops um so at this point you have kind of walked into the room you stop you look around you see all of this you also notice that security is noticeably tighter than the prior times that you've been to the hmm. Alegria. Okay. It's not oppressive, but you definitely notice more uh, well-dressed, I don't want to say thugs, but uh, muscle yeah, than you would muscle. have noticed on a previous visit. All right. uh, and you notice that just because of your kind of streetwise right. skills. Um, uh, so at this point, you know, kind of tell me, tell me what, what you do when you come into the room. Um... Well, Dex would have had his hat checked. Um, and what's he wearing at this point? His regular three-piece looking suit. Um, he still hasn't had time to freshen up, so he's uh, or hasn't taken the time to freshen up. So he's still looking like he's wearing yesterday's clothes, but not too bad. Someone would have to pay attention to him to notice it. Does he look? noticeably poor in the swank joint no no. i mean i I would think it's a fully varied crowd there's going to be people who can just barely afford the cover and the people who don't even care about what money they're losing while they're there so he's probably right in the middle okay 
Also, I'm not sure if I asked this before, and yeah. it's not necessarily relevant, but is Dex armed? I would have to think, knowing where he's going, there are two different ways to look at this. If he were caught unarmed, it might be seen as a sign of weakness, and if he were caught arms, it might, armed, it might be seen as a sign of aggression. He is armed. With what? He would have a thirty-eight. It okay. just makes sense for the time, I would think. But um, it would be um, an ankle holster, or a, a calf on the calf, not, okay. not that low. Awesome. Um, and, and that would just be not his normal sidearm. It would be what he would bring if he were going into a mob joint. Okay. That's what he has. And if anyone, this has happened in the past, if anyone goes to frisk him, he tells him there's a, a pistol at my ankle. Right? Okay. So yeah, they which know. they would yes. understand. Yeah. So. Awesome. I'll just tell you, had you made the streetwise push earlier, yeah. you would know one or two of the dealers who would be able to basically connect you in to see Whitey if that's ah, what you want okay. to do, or make similar connections. Yeah. You chose not to do that, which is totally fine. Well, I'm going to find is, a connection. I was gonna say, yeah. as, so as it is, you're just a dude in the casino yep. um, kind of walking around. But since you're here, uh, I'm going to ask you, you know, you've been here for a little while walking around. Yep. There's all this excitement. I need you to make a cool check. A cool check. I have... One die for cool. So let's how that, see how that works out. I'm going to use this Seven one. plus on the advance, three <laughs> or less on the setback. <laughs> Ugh, three. <laughs> three. All right, so. Hold on. I can take a problem to roll another die, can't I? You can take an extra problem. Uh, let's do that. I don't think I have enough problems. Um, because I don't think I have anything else on my um, edges that can help me. Just as a, you know what? I, I might actually be able to do this, but. Before we get too far into that, let's recount, because it's been a, a couple of episodes now yeah. when we started the game, or from when we started the game. One of the cool things about the Cthulhu Confidential 1-to-1 -one -one system are these cards that you have, the, the GM has, <coughs> excuse me, and they're part of the adventure itself. So within the adventure we're playing, the different scenes we have have the options to have an edge to get something extra out of them or to bring on a new problem for your character, which is, as it sounds, makes something more difficult for your character. Correct. <clears throat> and with that, one of the things you can do is in, when you're faced with a check where you have to roll, you can incur another problem, bring another problem onto your character in order to try and succeed with that roll. And it's something I was thinking of doing. One of the things I'm looking at, though, Kurt, is I have edge number one, which is self-possessed, which gives me an extra die on a cool or stability. Oh, if you want so to I could that. actually use an edge. You could, for sure. Um, because that makes me have to incur a problem later if I have the same situation. But for here... Definitely, Dex is in control of his himself in this situation, so he would have this there. He would use the edge to bring in another die, so okay. we'll do that. Um, and I will roll this one, and let's see what adds to the three. A six, so that's awesome. a nine. Awesome. So this is so super interesting. Cash in, in that edge. Because uh, if, if Joe did not use that edge, I'm just going to, can we meta? Yeah, yeah, go for it. We were just describing the rules, so it's a good chance to... Uh, give the expose. So what we're doing here is we're we're kind of uh, figuring out how Dex Raymond dealt with the temptation of the gambling tables. And yeah, if he he's succeeds, broke. He's broke. Well, exactly. Yeah. So if he succeeds with an advance, which he just did, mm -hmm. because of the extra roll, the advance is gambling is for suckers, and you're mm -hmm. not a sucker. So you watch the other fiends set their money on fire and wait patiently to talk to Whitey. Gain edge one self-possessed. That's the one I just cashed in. Right. So what, what, I used right. it to get it back. So you can't That's actually cool. gain it. But had you failed, which I think you were at a three. I was going to fail. Yep. Right. So if you failed and did not take the extra problem, it would have said a few hands couldn't hurt, could they? But before you know it, you're in the hole for more than you can afford. Yep. Gain a problem. Gambling debt. Which uh, would make sense for someone with a broke, back, yep. with a broke background to have a gambling debt, right? Yeah. Or you could take the extra problem, which was tempted, which uh, says resisting that old vice of yours took more out of you than you'd prefer to admit. Mm. And the thing there is until you take time to indulge this or another weakness, you take a minus two penalty on all cool and stability checks. So the way this game works, like at yeah. the end of the day, none of them are mission critical, but it's just it's neat. It's flavor. It's great. And, and you don't necessarily always want to win every role because you might say, you know mm. what? Me losing this one would make yeah. sense for my broke character. I was ready to take that problem, but I had already described, uh, I felt I had described it as 
Dex is walking in here and he's going to be paying attention to what's going on and to all of a sudden to break down. It just didn't feel right. right. So, so um, I took that cool. So uh, Joe, Joe played edge one self-possessed and used it. And now he's been very consistent in dealing with Margaret and dealing with Helen and in dealing with the tables. He's basically been a cold motherfucker every time. Trying. And Thank so, you. you know, it's up to Joe how hard Dex is working to be this cool or whether yeah. he just is. We're, cool. I think in the next time that that happens, we're going to find out how hard he's working at it because I don't have any bonuses. Well, and it's yeah. interesting if we played this character over multiple games, mm-hmm. like maybe he's broke because he's like the super nice guy yeah. who's always doing stuff that he shouldn't be doing for At free. the end of this case, he might not take the money. Like who knows? Yeah. So this is all, I think this is really interesting in game terms. But I tell you what, uh, he just avoided the temptation of the tables. He's looking around. This is clearly a scene here in the Alegria. Things are jumping off. The girls are singing the cats are dancing and uh this is gonna be the place to be and i think it might be a good place to pick up in our next episode i agree all right well thank you for listening hey adventure shed adventure we hope you'll keep listening we hope you'll rate us on itunes and in the meantime we'll say bye-bye the preceding podcast was brought to you by one joe young you can find us online at adventuresfromtheshed.com